You're listening to The Ladies Room. I am Iris St. Moran. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. So we used to be news anchors at competing television stations. But no matter where we live, we'll always be the best of friends. So tell our listeners why we decided to call this The Ladies Room. It's a place where you get yourself together, laugh, cry, tell a secret. Ladies know what I mean. Girl, we definitely know what you mean. So you'll get to hear from some phenomenal women doing phenomenal things across the world. And our goal is to provide inspiration and information. We're on air in the ladies' room. Tanya Babbage, welcome to the ladies' room for the first time. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you. Morning news anchor in Chicago um, and a former mentor of mine, I would say, in Syracuse, New York at WSYR, the ABC affiliate there. So it's just so good to talk to you and see you and see how amazing you've been doing. Um, let's first just talk about this glasses movement. I don't know if it has a name yet, <laughs> but we'll just call it the glasses movement. Talk to us about how everything just really evolved and, and got started. Sure, it was, it was a parenting moment. I found out that my oldest daughter, who's 10 years old, wasn't wearing her glasses during remote learning. And it's not that she hadn't been wearing them for a few weeks or even a few months. She hadn't been wearing them since last spring. Wow. So she and my middle daughter, so three girls, were prescribed glasses in the spring after we went into lockdown. And, um, and I'm not home for a good half of the day and sometimes extending into the afternoon as well because I'm still going into work physically. And, and so I wasn't around to see that she was not wearing her glasses. And I don't even remember at this point um, how I found out, you know, why she admitted to me that no, mommy, I wasn't wearing my glasses. But I said to her, I'm like, honey, you have to wear your glasses. You can't, there's a reason they were prescribed for you. You look beautiful in them. You don't have anything to worry about. Nobody's going to care if you're wearing glasses or if you're not wearing glasses. Um, she was having none of it. She was bawling her eyes out. She was devastated by it because she said she was afraid that people were going to think that she looked stupid or nerdy or, or that she wasn't, she wasn't pretty. Now that's when your mom heart shatters. And, and I said to her, honey, that's, that's just not true. You are beautiful with or without your glasses. I said, and, and it's glasses are really not a big deal. Nobody cares if you wear them or not. And then it occurred to me that, okay, well maybe I can, I can do something that would show her that it's really not a big deal to wear glasses. Um, you know, I, so I said, listen, I will wear my glasses every day this week. This happened over the weekend. Uh, I will wear my glasses every day this week just to show you that it really doesn't matter whether you wear them or not. Nobody's going to care if I'm wearing glasses on television. And she wasn't terribly impressed by it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did it anyway. And halfway through the week, my executive producer stopped me in the kitchen and said, are your eyes okay? Um, I said, yes, my eyes are fine. I'm just doing this to prove a point. <laughs> and I explained to him what was, you know, what was, I'm sorry, my phone keeps falling. Um, I explained to him what was behind the, you know, the reason that I was wearing the glasses. He circled back with me later in the morning and said, yeah, he's like, I've been thinking about it. He's like, you should really share that with people. You know, I think people would really like to hear about it. It might help other people as well. And he said, you know, would you be willing to tell people at the end of the week while you're wearing them? I said, okay, yeah, sure. But, you know, he said at the end of the show on Friday, I said, okay, yeah, sure. At the end of the show on Friday. And so that's how I closed the show. It's a couple of weeks ago now on a Friday morning. 
and you know, just as we were going into Good Morning America. And I posted video of that goodbye, that segment online. And within the next couple of hours, I, I just, I was kind of blown away. I'm like, oh my God, a lot of people are sharing this or a lot of people are liking this. It was, you know, and I don't think I'd ever really gotten that much traction on anything before. And then over the course of the weekend, it kind of exploded. Yeah. And and I started to get, um, you know, people started to reach out to me. The Chicago Tribune was the first. Um, and they did a column about me that that was published the f at the beginning of the following week. Um, and then others followed, you know, it started with the Tribune and then it was the Washington Post and CBS Morning News and, and then Good Morning America picked it up and Inside Edition and, <laughs> and I'm watching this in real time. I, I, you ladies know we're not ever supposed to be the story. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's about what we are out there covering for other people, but we're not supposed to be at the center of it. We're supposed to be observers to it. So being at the center of something and watching it, um, you know, just blow up in terms of, of visibility and how much people are sharing it and commenting on it was really kind of stunning. I, I, I didn't quite know what to say about it. You know, I'm, I mean, I could certainly tell people easily enough why I did what I did and, and what effect it had. Um, but it, it took me a while to wrap my head around why people were connecting with it in the way that they did. What did your daughter think just of you wearing them for a week and then just the reaction and from the everywhere, as you said? Well, I told you at the beginning of it, she wasn't impressed. <laughs> she, she didn't think it was that big of a deal. At the, by the end of the week though, and into the weekend, when we saw you know, all of the comments that were coming in and especially the kids' pictures, parents, yeah. you know, hundreds of parents sending me pictures of their beautiful children wearing glasses. Uh, and I shared those with her and, you know, and she's smiling with every one that I shared. And I, I didn't share everything with her because at some point it becomes overwhelming. You know, I do need to protect her. She's just 10 years old. But for what I did share, you know, she could see that her story and, and my role in it was having an impact on other people. And I could tell that that made her feel good. You know, and I've, ta and I've talked to her about it, you know, progressively as you know as each day goes on I check in with her like hi honey how do you how do you feel about all this I asked her permission before I did any interviews mm. um I wanted to make sure that she was okay with it and for the first several she did not want to be identified she said mommy it's okay if you talk about it she's like but I don't want you to use my name or my picture you know she was still she was which which is her prerogative I mean you yeah. know she's I'm a public person that doesn't mean my family has to be you know comprised of public people as well and you know, and I deferred to her on that. And then by the end of the week, she, um, when Good Morning America reached out and I, I told her that they wanted to talk to her and I expected her to say, no, mama, I don't want to. She, her face just kind of lights up. She's like, really? <laughs> and she said, okay, mommy, you know, you can share, you can share a picture of me. And, and, uh, and so I did. And so it's, she seems okay with it now. You know, uh -huh. I know that she still prefers not to wear glasses. Mm. You know, you're not going to change her mind overnight, but I can see that she is enjoying having an impact on other people. Yeah, which is beautiful. How, um, just for you growing up, did you ever deal with this type of, you know, 
did you wear glasses? Did you deal yeah. with, with what your what your daughter is dealing with? Yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't remember that I was made fun of for my glasses specifically. I got them when I was nine years old, but I endured I endured quite a bit of bullying when I was growing up, and, and it certainly shaped who I became. Um, you know, when when you're going through puberty and you're you know the kind of slightly you know chubby overweight girl with glasses and fuzzy hair it's not a fun place to be mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because kids can be cruel and uh, and you know and unfortunately in my case they were and and that was something that was that was pretty devastating to me when I was a kid it was a hard thing for me to you know to wrap my head around so when you hear your child express fears of being treated the way that you were and you know acutely what that feels like you want to shelter them, you want to protect them from that so that they don't ever have to experience it for themselves. Unfortunately, we as parents don't have control over that. We can only try to give our children the tools to cope with whatever comes. Now, yeah. my daughter has not been bullied for her glasses. To the contrary, now she's, she's a, a quasi celebrity for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we went to go see Santa socially distanced this weekend and a, a boy in her class was there and I could hear him say quietly as we walked up, he said, I like your glasses, Adelaide. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, and your heart, your heart swells because it's just the cutest, the sweetest thing. You know, and, 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 in, and maybe in seeing what has happened to their classmate, Adelaide's, you know, the boys and girls in Adelaide's class will think differently about how they might treat somebody who wears glasses or who has braces or who, you know, who talks differently and any number of things, any number of things that make us different and special. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And it's a message for young children, but your point that you made to help your daughter resonated with adults. What do you think it was about the message? I don't know if it's just the timing of what everyone is dealing with in the world during a pandemic, but it definitely, um, touch people in a way. Yeah. Iris, I don't think it's just the pandemic. Yes, in the middle of a pandemic, people are desperate for good news. And so they, you know, they were happy to see this and, you know, and, and, and it, it tugs on the emotional strings too. I mean, seeing my, my teammates, my coworkers at the end of the show, they surprised me, all of them by wearing their own glasses. It was, it was a moment that I, I didn't expect. I'm in like these Brady Bunch boxes because we're all, you know, reporting from our various remote locations. And, you know, when I see all my friends and my colleagues wearing their glasses and I was just, you know, my, I was just so appreciative of it and so moved by it. It brought me to tears. And I've heard from so many people who said that it brought them to tears as well. So yes, people definitely want this feel good moment in the midst of the pandemic. People also want reassurances that it's okay to be who they are. Um, and, and it was my husband that picked up on this after a few days because he was watching this too thinking, what, what is happening and, and why, why are people latching on to, you know, this, this sweet but small story about a mom trying to support her daughter? Uh, and the way he put it is, you know, I think you, you are, are relaying the message to a world that needs to hear it, that we accept you as you are and we support you in being whoever it is that you want to be. It is not an easy world to live in right now if you are different if you are gay if you are transgender if you are black if you are brown any number of reasons why people are made to feel isolated or otherly and so 
maybe that's why people connected with it so deeply. And, and when you look at, you know, the demographics of the people who connected with me um, and with the story, it, it really does run the gamut. It does, it does, it definitely does. Talk to me, and I wanna go back to, you know, you talked about bullying. And I think that um, just being in the newsroom, A, we get a lot of messages from parents talking about, you know, can you all do a story on bullying? My, my child is getting bullying and bullied. And it, it, it is heartbreaking just to hear the, the stories of parents and what their children are dealing with. And so I see you as a beautiful, confident woman. woman. You've helped me, obviously, when I was in Syracuse, um, overcome some hurdles. How did you get to the point that you are now um, in spite of being bullied as, as a child? You know, being a public person, um, you know, unkindness, <laughs> is, I'll, I'll call it, is, you know, is directed at you um, regularly enough that it can be really impactful. Uh, I think this is especially true of women who are just starting out in the business. I think younger women make for easier targets, um, you know, for people who want to find somebody who, who, seems to them especially vulnerable, that they would be impacted by whatever it is that that person has to say. So some of making peace with having everyone's opinion of you directed your way, uh, it kind of comes with getting older. Uh, and, and you become less of a target. I, I've, the way I've experienced it is I've become less of a target as I have aged. That is not to say that I don't that you know that I'm I'm spared of it completely, and I tell this story often to young women in the business. I was 28 years old. I was pregnant with my first daughter, and it was when I was in Syracuse. And I got a handwritten letter in the mail. Someone took the time to handwrite this to me. It said, "I don't know who's more excited for the impending birth of your child, you." or me, because I won't have to watch you on television for three months. Wow. And, and it was so, it was just such a nasty letter to send to somebody who is one, feeling vulnerable, which, you know, that, I mean, any woman who's ever been pregnant will tell you, you feel especially vulnerable, um, you know, during pregnancy and during early motherhood. And, and two, to be so unkind to somebody that you don't know and that you don't know anything about, that felt like a turning point for me mentally, where I was so put off by someone's audacity to say something like that to me that I think it finally clicked that often when you get these nasty emails, these nasty social media messages, it says more about the person who's sending it than it does about you. And I have had, I won't say much easier, but I have had an easier time processing that type of, um, that type of, of social media outreach, uh, you know, public commentary since then. You know, I, I, I got it just yesterday. I, I had someone send me a slew of messages accusing me of being vapid and vain and, you know, 
why should anyone respect people in news when you know you're posting all these selfies of yourself? It was, you know, I, I I'll sometimes put myself out there and, and and invite followers to say, you know, ask me any question, I'm happy to answer it because like it or not, yes, our job is to deliver the news. It is certainly to inform, to reassure, to guide people through the world that feels like it's in chaos right now. Um, we are also human beings that our viewers invite into their homes and feel as though they know. And while I am very happy to be a private person when I'm not on television, I do appreciate the support that our viewers give us. And so sometimes I'll open myself up to answer questions within reason. Um, and so the response that I got to that the other day was this person you know, sending me a, a slew of nasty messages, uh, calling me all these names. And it doesn't feel good to read them, mm -mm. but you understand what they are. You have a good idea about where they are coming from and you just let them go. You know, I, I know there, there are many approaches to this. Some people will try to, you know, to put someone in their place or to respond or try to convince them otherwise. And if there's anything that I have learned in life, that is, I have no control over anyone else's actions, yes. but my own. I have no control over anyone else's mind, but my own. And so I will let that person be and let them stew in whatever it is that is causing them to reach out in that way. And I'm going to, I'm going to maintain my peace and I'm going to continue to be the best me that I can be in all the different areas of my life. That's do you ever respond at all or do you just let it go? Or does it depend? <laughs> It depends. I, I almost never respond. I almost never respond. I have before, very rarely, I might um, screenshot someone that someone says and, and conceal their names and their identities just to put out into the world um, what it looks like to be a public person and to have people, um, you know, kind of hiding behind this veil of anonymity and, and what they feel entitled to say to you. Um, you know, Jennifer, you talk about bullying being something that parents are concerned with. I think part of addressing this as a societal issue is drawing attention to how prevalent it is mm. and how unacceptable it is. Yeah, and it's something... <laughs> It's something that journalists deal with now, I feel like even more so, and especially with social media where you can be anonymous and people feel the way that they feel that they can just say whatever to you and with no repercussions. Yeah. So moving on, how, what message would you give to young journalists just in this time? You know, I find that even the young journalists that Iris and I mentor, they're just, really going through it, you know, because not only are they acclimating to a new career that's already stressful in itself, but they're dealing with the pandemic and just kind of the stress of that. So in terms of navigating the career and trying to get to, you know, many of them now want to be at the network level. Uh, and I'm sure that'll change <laughs> once they start going through their journey of news. But what advice would you give to them in terms of just really just helping them navigate this thing called news that others from the outside think, you know, is very glamorous, but we inside know that it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. 
<laughs> no, it is definitely not glamorous at all. Uh, you know, there will be, it's going to be hard, is what I tell them. You know, it, it's not easy for any of us. And it, it, it does, it certainly doesn't start out that way. You know, I, I have a good rhythm now. Um, my rhythm has been, has been interrupted many times over the years. Uh, and, and people outside the business and inside the business too can be pretty nasty. Mm. And that's okay. That's again, not a reflection of you. You, my advice is always to put your head down, do the work as best you can, and it will get better. It's everything comes in its own time. And, and this generation, this, this next generation of, of reporters and young professionals have a reputation for wanting things immediately, yeah. whether, that's, whether that's fair or not. It's not my place to judge whether you're impatient or whether you're willing to put in the work. It is my place, if you come to me for guidance, to say, work hard. Don't be in a hurry for things to happen. Have faith, they will come. If you put in the work, it will come. That's beautiful. Tanya, did you ever think that you would be where you're at now? <laughs> no. No, not at all. I, I certainly, you know, I certainly hoped, um, you know, that I would do interesting things. I mean, I, and that, but that was as a, that was even as a, a journalism student before I had a grown up life with all of these different influences that, you know, that factor into where we work and, you know, and how we work. Mm. And so for a long time, I thought I was going to be a lifelong anchor in Syracuse, New York. And, and then seven years ago, eight years ago now, um, I very suddenly became a single mom of two toddlers. And I simply wasn't making enough money in a smaller market to support myself and to support my kids. Necessity is the mother of invention. Mm -hmm. And so out of necessity in that moment, I was able to open myself up to the possibility of doing big, you know, things on a bigger scale, on yeah. a bigger platform than I had previously thought would be available to me. I mean, we, we all make choices in life. I don't regret any of the choices that I've made. Uh, it was circumstance that goosed me, so to speak, <laughs> into into looking at what else was available to me in the world. And I was very fortunate to connect with an agent, um, you know, who is both a, an advocate and a friend all of these years later. And he knew that I was going through a tremendously difficult time. And he said to me, what is your dream job? Because other people were, were saying to me, well, it's going to depend on what's available right now. You know, wherever it is you end up going, whatever it is you end up doing to support your family, it's going to depend on the market. And he said to me at the time, well, what's your dream job? I don't care about the market. What's your dream job? And I said, to work at the number one station in Chicago. And he said, 
well, okay, let's get you a job at the number one station in Chicago. And it didn't happen that easily. <laughs> you know, there's a process um, to how this all came about, but within, within several months of um, signing a contract to, to work with him and putting out a resume reel and interviewing all over the country while I was single parenting two toddlers and working morning news shift, uh, the morning news shift in Syracuse, I landed my job at the number one station in Chicago as a, as a reporter and a fill-in anchor. And so it was almost exactly one calendar year from the day that I became a single mom that I was on a plane with my two toddlers on New Year's Eve, 2013, in the middle of a snowstorm, a blizzard, we landed at O'Hare Airport and we started our new life together on January 1st, 2014 in a new city, in a new job. And I had no idea how, how I was going to do it. I had no family here. Uh, I didn't really know any, I knew a couple of people casually, but I didn't have any close friends here. And, and that leap of faith has transformed my life. Wow. Amazing. What does it feel like to be living your dream? Because this is what you said that you wanted. At one point, you didn't believe that it was possible, but to be living it and working, you know, doing what you're doing. I'm, I am filled with gratitude. I think, I think that I've always, I've always said this. I've always said the, the greatest gift of this work is perspective. It has helped me to stay present because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Uh, and so it helps me to be grateful for today. And, and in doing this work, we see the spectrum of what is possible in the world, the good and the bad. And so I can't help but be totally humbled that that my hard work um, has been united with some good luck and some good people. And I, have, and I have found success doing work that I love in a place that I love. I, I feel very fortunate. I'm very proud of the part that I had in it. I, I also realize it's not all me, that, that sometimes the universe has to conspire with you to help you find that success. And I've been very lucky in that way. Um, and so I do the best that I can to deserve, you know, the, the place that I've been given to earn it uh, and to pay forward my good fortune however I can. Which you certainly do well and just mentoring and encouraging. I know when I moved to Austin um, and you don't realize this, but you know, it was scary. Like everyone thinks, oh, you're moving back home. And yeah, I'm an hour and some change away from home, but moving back home, it's still still a scary, a scary journey going to a new station. And um, you don't know what the workflow is gonna be like. You don't know what the people are gonna be like. And you sent me a text message and uh, yeah, everything you said. <laughs> I have dealt with and you know I often I refer to your message and just knowing that it's going to be okay and seeing just what you went through um you know you started out as a reporter and, and you you worked your way up 
to where you are now in Chicago. And I think that that's just a testament to hard work, dedication, and just commitment, you know, commitment to, to everything that, that we go <laughs> it does take commitment to be in this work. You are absolutely right. <laughs> but it's, and you know, and the, the message that I sent you, I've sent it, I've sent similar, um, you know, messages of encouragement to, to other people that I've had the, the tremendous pleasure of, of watching grow in their careers. Um, it's so, so strange to feel like the elder states person. <laughs> to myself well, wait a minute how old am I um you know but to to have these you know these incredibly talented young men and women and to see them find success um you know and to and and to have lived the experience in a way that you have an idea of what might be helpful to them as they make that transition. And <laughs> I'm the kind of person who just kind of puts myself out there uninvited. Um, and so I have sent those unsolicited text messages or, or emails to people. And, and more often than not, I've found that they are appreciated and, uh, and later useful. Yes. Because the experience, while different for everyone, uh, tends to hold some some common truths along the way you know there it may take on a little bit of a different flavor but but the the theme is the same and so it's it's nice to be able to um, to give young men and women a little bit of a boost when they might need it which is often I will let you do the honors of asking your, your final question. <laughs> yes, this is all of our guests, and I'm so excited to hear your answer. What advice would you give your younger self? That you can do big things. And you don't, you don't need to know how to get from... A to Z. The only thing you need to know at any given time is how to get from A to B. And then once you're at B, you can worry about getting from B to C. And then one day you wake up and you find that you've reached your end point and you get to conceive of something big and new again. And the things that you can create are limitless. Beautiful. I feel like that deserves a round. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I definitely needed this today. <laughs> Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's good. It's it's so nice to to connect as women. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I I try to do it as much as much as it is. You know, we have so much to offer each other. In terms, in terms of advice and in terms of support and, and especially compassion. Definitely. And thank and you. So for it's, I love, I love what you girl, I love what you ladies are doing. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I thank you for inviting me.
Definitely. Thank you for just your compassion, your thoughtfulness and your mentorship and just helping guide, especially young journalists in, in the news field. I don't know if you realize the impact you have, but you certainly have a big one. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people find you? How can they follow you? All that good stuff. Oh, sure. Okay. Hold on. There are a lot of different usernames. <laughs> Let me pull them up here. Um, so on Facebook, you can find me as um, Tanya Babich, ABC7. On Twitter, I am Babich, ABC7. And then on Instagram, I think I'm just Tanya Babich. Um, yeah. But you'll find, you'll find the blue check next to, next to all of them. Um, and we'll know. Yeah, I actually, I actually just got the blue check today on Instagram. I'm very excited about that. Are you serious? <laughs> Did you apply? I, mean, I have been, I have been applying for that thing. Yes. For at least a year and a half. <laughs> and so today, today I got a notification, maybe 20 minutes before I, I signed on to talk to you, ladies, that I'd been approved, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's on my list. <laughs> yes, goals, right? <laughs> Tanya, thank you so much for joining us in the ladies' room. I'm proud of you. Congratulations on your success. Let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on social media using the handle on air TLR. And of course, if there's a lady you want us to interview, let us know. We'll chat again soon in the, the ladies' room. room.